Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to Eleven. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Steve Hartland sitting across from me. Steve, what's going on, dude? Hey, nothing much. It's a great day. I'm off today, enjoying it. Slept in a little bit. Ready to roll on this podcast. Awesome. Uh, the music uh, you all just heard uh, is a little different from our normal intro, and we'll we'll explain that in a little bit. But um, first, wanna wanna get some housekeeping items out of the way here. Uh, Mission Aware. Always love have, having Mission Aware, um, you know, sponsoring the podcast. They've been a longtime sponsor of this podcast. Great products, you know, everything from T-shirts to mugs to journals, Bible covers. You know, sometimes um, I think about, you know, the idea of Bible covers, and I remember my father carrying around, you know, a Bible with a Bible cover with a on it. a whole lot of pens stuck in yes, it. Yes, yes. And you kind of think, you know, these, these old-time things. But first of all, you know, I was thinking about this from the perspective of as a teacher and you know, the first thing I have my students do is cover their books and that's just so that they last longer and you know, uh, trying to keep God's word lasting longer is, you know, important. So, you know, grabbing up a Bible cover, but second, you know, I remember the old school type Bible covers that were, you know, a little cheesy and chintzy and you know, these ones are actually really great. They have some awesome quotes on there from Spurgeon to Luther to um to calvin you know and it's just you know they're great daily reminders of you know um sin and the destruction that it causes and you know i know for me a lot of times you know sometimes the difference between you know whether or not i'm going to indulge my flesh will be you know maybe even a bible verse that i see that reminds me of who i am or a quote you know reminding me of who i am so um you know Get on, check out missionaware.com and uh, see all their great products. Yeah. Um, want to introduce, uh, before we get to our main guest, I want to introduce another guest that we have on here, uh, Jason Wallace, who is worship leader at Cornerstone. Steve, where you are the pastor, formerly known as Trinity Church. This is getting confusing, isn't it? I know, right? <laughs> It'd be good when we're five years past the name change. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's kind of like, you know, the artist formerly known as Prince, who was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, so, Jason, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. Awesome to have you on. Uh, Jason, go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself, friends, family, you know, all that crazy what stuff. What are you studying? Where are you headed? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm, uh, well studying-wise, I'm, I'm studying at Faith Theological Seminary. I want to be a, a pastor when I grow up. Nice. Uh, <laughs> hopefully very soon. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I'm doing that. I, uh, I I work, you know, just a couple jobs. I work at Cornerstone. I was the worship leader and the janitor. Um, one of my favorite jobs is uh, is doing that one. And you lead the youth ministry. I lead the youth ministry. Yep. Busy also, guy. We also work for Crew. Just do a few things and uh, nice. playing a playing a little rock band here and there every now and again. That's great, and um, that's actually one of the reasons why we have you on here because um, our main guest that we have on today, um, Stephen Christian from uh, the band Amberlin has just put out a single called Wildfires. Steven, how are you doing today? Hey, good. How's it going, guys? It's going great. And um, Stephen, I want, want to give you an opportunity just to uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I know we all have a lot of questions for you, so you know I'm sure we'll bring up some of those things in the questions. But you know, just a brief um, bio of um, your background, uh, maybe how Amberlynn got started, maybe going into the single a little bit, um, and then we'll we'll hit you up with some questions afterwards. And, and if you wouldn't mind, maybe go into uh, at what age did you realize I I am a musician? I, mm. I love playing yeah. and making music. What age did it really take off for you? 
and, and how and why? Yeah. So my parents moved around a lot as I, when I was a kid and didn't, you know, never was felt rooted anywhere. But finally at age 12, I ended up in, in right outside of Orlando, Florida in a little town called Winter Haven and Winter Haven, um, you know, was a, was, is a, is a very small town. And you had two options when you went to high school. You either went to the Orange Groves to drink or you started a punk rock band. (laughs) That was it. That's all you got. Because for whatever reason, our little county kind of just clutched on to to punk rock. We had a downtown comics and you would go down there and that, you know, this guy, his name was Matt. And, you know, he had all the, the, the newest stuff. So, I mean, everything from face to face to you know, Goldfinger to Green Day and all that offspring, all anything like that you would want, you know, he, you know, he would have it on vinyl or, or CD. And so we would all end up meeting down there and, and everybody was starting all these bands. And so I just, you know, I would just dove head in. And when I was like, right, I, I think I was right about 16, I was getting into all that stuff. And then 17, 18, you know, just, just kind of doing the whole band world. What 19, I was like, well, I'm going to start, I'm going to start a band, you know, it just might as well. Uh, you know, not, not much else is happening in this city. Were, were you so then, that's where, you know, were you primarily a I'm vocalist sorry? or were you also an instrumentalist and what? Well, I started out at, because I see, I am the, I am the best punk rock guitarist ever because you really, the more sloppy you are, <laughs> the more, yes. the more passionate people perceive you as. So, um, <laughs> you know, so during the punk rock days, I was absolutely the guitarist, but you know, then, then it slowly formed into, Hey, you really are not good at that instrument. You should probably just stick to stink singing. And so, you know, fair enough. Uh, uh-huh. um, but uh, so from and then all the guys that I you know started the band with, the punk rock band, it was like my little brother, and then you know Dion and Joey Milligan from from uh-huh. that you know then then obviously kind of turned into Amberland you know a couple years later, and. So we were in Amberlynn for 12 years, signed with right off the gate with uh, with Tooth and Nail, and three records in, we went to Universal Republic, where we spent the rest of our career, um, and um, it was a lot of fun. It was a great time. After that, we. So uh, we'd like to know a couple of things about the band Amberlynn. I know we're really talking today also about your your new single release, and we'll get to that. But um, first, what what does the name mean? How did you guys come up with that name? Maybe there were other previous names, but how did you wind up with that name? And then uh, how how did the band get together? It was you and some buddies, or who, or brothers and sisters, or what? Fill us in, would you? Yeah, so the name Amberlynn just came about because, you know, we were were in um, Lakeland, Florida, and we were in a practice space there, and we could not think of a great name. I mean, I think... One of the names thrown around was Laredo because somebody had a Jeep Laredo. Um, <laughs> the Clamor, of course, of course, that's kind of our punk rock roots coming out. I was like, well, that's a bit, that's a bit much. Uh, the Clamor there, but uh, you know, so I was, you know, I had always planned on having naming my daughter Amberlynn. Uh, I was telling somebody where I wanted to backpack in Europe, and I said Barcelona, Madrid, and Berlin. I was like, man, that'd be a really nice name for a little girl. And so, <laughs> you know, when we, when I was like, hey, how about? How about we call it Amberlynn until you guys can think of something better? And they're like, all right, well, for now, it's Amberlynn. And, of course, you know, you play a few shows and it sticks and, and people get excited and, and that's it. You know, it's over. So when I had my, my first daughter, um, I definitely did not name her Amberlynn. <laughs> that would just be, she would always just spite me for, like, trying to relive my glory years through her name. But anyway, <laughs> uh, it was uh, we, we started in 
So let me back up. We, you know, I, I traveled around a lot when I was a kid simply because of my dad's job. So we would spend only about two years in each state. So we finally at age 12, you know, my mom was like, that's it. Get off the road and just, we're just going to move to Florida and that's it. So we moved to Florida. Thank God that we did not like end up in like North Dakota, but yeah. um, Fargo. So it was, just, it was one of those things where, where, where our community was really small and, Basically, like if you had you had two routes to take, you, know, you either you know got drunk and hung out in the Orange Groves, or you started a punk rock band. That was just kind of like the two routes that this little city had. So a bunch of us would meet up at Downtown Comics, where you know where this guy Matt would would sell everything from face to face to Rancid to Op Ivy to you know Green Day and Offspring and all that kind of stuff. And we would all just hang out there listening to records, and people would start forming bands like, oh, I play this, and you play that, and and so I started, we started a punk rock band with my little brother and we, there was a Dion and Joey who eventually kind of, you know, metamorphosed with me into Amberlynn. And so we signed in 2002 to Tooth and Nail Records, put out three records with them, and then we moved to Universal Republic and that's where we stayed the remainder of our career. And so 2015, we ended the band and here we are two years later, I am removed from that. And I now work as worship director um, for Calvary Albuquerque underpass, who who I know, and I adore that guy. And I love my job. I mean, it's different every day. You know, I oversee the studio, so we have fans in there. I, you know, I help with the creative and production team, the lighting, the audio. Um, just kind of like all, you know, you know, then I get to do pastoral duties, everything from counseling to doing weddings to funerals to, hmm. and that kind of stuff. So. It's pretty exciting, I and mean, I love the fact that there's new stuff every day while still allowing me to be creative and put out records and write and record, and, and uh, you know, it's just a lot of fun. So I think you said the band lasted five years. Is that right? You guys were on, on the road and recording for five years? And uh, why then did oh, this— Oh, 12. We were on the road. Oh, pardon me. Okay. Yeah. Why then did it disband? Are you able yeah, to talk about that? Sure. <clears throat> I mean, it was, you know, I wish we had some cool story like Julie was doing cocaine and then I was like <laughs> hopped up on heroin. You know, there's nothing like that. It's very, it's very, um, it's very just time oriented. You know, I think that people grow up and, you know, passions change. People, you know, we, you know, we can't push pause on life to pursue music. And so I had had a, a little girl, I'd gotten married and, had a little girl, and then we, my wife told me, "Hey, we're we're pregnant with your second child," and and so for me, I I had already missed first words and first smiles and first oh. steps, and it just the, the passion wasn't there anymore. You know, I I love music and I, I I really did, but it just it nothing can replace the time that I lost out on, and 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 just kind of knowing that. You know, I wanted to start a new life. And everybody had their own, you know, had their own kind of secondary passions already in, in, in motion. You know, Nathan was, our drummer was working on, which is now King State Coffee. And Joey Milligan, our guitarist, wanted to uh, to produce records. And so we kind of like, a few of us were already, we saw the diverging in the woods. And we chose to pass less travel because, you know, after 12 years, it's just kind of like, all right, this is, this is amazing. We've done this, and it's awesome. It's great, but we see, you know, the the light at the end of the tunnel, and you know, it's time to, you know, kind of take the next step. So, do you ever regret that, or does it feel like it's the right thing? 
no, I don't regret it. No, I am. Hmm. I am absolutely, absolutely in a in a great place, and I love the fact that I get to wake up next to my wife and my daughters, mm-hmm. you know, night after night. You know, oh, that's. Nice. I mean, it's irreplaceable. Um, I I have no regrets. You know, my I think my only regret is that I didn't do it sooner. Um, it just, it just, it just is. I mean, it's. I love the fans, and I, you know, that's that's they are the reason that, that we last that long. But minus them, uh, minus the people that I felt like were impacted by the music, I man, I I do regret that we didn't get out here. Wow. So, uh, kind of a personal question, but I imagine you have things that you love sure. and things that you love to do outside of music. What are some of them? Can you tell us? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love anything outdoors. You know, I, I'm right now. I'm standing in Taos, New Mexico, and uh, you know, yesterday we hiked the gorge, which is out here, and then today we're going to go to a pueblo and and explore that. And so I'm, I'm all about. I still love traveling. I still love kind of, you know, like this was spontaneous. We just ran to church yesterday. I have Mondays off, and so I was just kind of like, uh-huh. hey, let's go to Taos. We've never been there. It's a couple hours away. Let's just rent a hotel. So, you know, and the girls are, you know, well, anything with a pool. So uh-huh. I told her the pool at the hotel, and I just packed out their bathing suit. And, you know, they're, they're little kids, you know, they're, they're four to three. So they're just little ones, you know, and they just, so anything with a pool, they're just excited. Let's just, let's just make this happen. Wow, you're making me feel bad, though. Here we have you on a podcast on your day off, <laughs> away with your family, checking out the beauties of nature. Sorry, man, but thanks for being here. No, it's, it's awesome. They totally understand. I mean, and they totally get it. I mean, the fact of the matter is I'm only doing one inter- you know, a couple of interviews as opposed to like, hey, guys, I'm coming out of the record, so I'll see you in two months. You know? <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> yeah, sure yeah. that this is okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, that's really exciting. Can you, um, Stephen, can you tell us a little bit about, um, about the single that you have, Wildfires? Absolutely. So 2014... In 2015, I, you know, I, well, actually, 2014, I knew that, like, Amberlynn was coming to a close, and so I, I believe strongly that, like, creativity is a muscle, and I, I just wanted to continue to exercise it, so I signed a publishing deal with World uh, Publishing, and basically, I song wrote, I song write for, like, anything from country to pop to, you know, you name it, I just actually did a hip-hop thing, like, two weeks ago, oh, um, cool. so I started to go on worship rights, and I realized, like, man, I, you know, I told my guy, um, my, my friend at Sword Publishing, at Joel Tim, and I said, you know, hey, just keep, just keep me on these worship rights because it, they're so effortless, and I love it, and it's meaningful, and I like it. And so he was just like, well, then why don't you put out your own record? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm so done with that world. I'm so done with that life. And he's like, whatever, you know. <laughs> and so my wife, I told my wife, and she's like, well, why don't you put out your own record? And I was like, well, I don't know. But then I started, you know, people would put songs on hold, and they would start, you know, and then I was, you know, people would want to put my songs on their records, and I was kind of like, ah, this feels weird because it's kind of, it's the overflow of my heart. It's like, you know, these are the, the, the times that I was facing. This would be, you know, the moments and the struggles, you know, and the, with God that I was having. And I'm putting it in song form. Why, why would you want to see that? You know, why would you, how is this meaningful to you? You know, it just, it, it just felt different. And so... From there, I was like, you know, I think I think I do want to keep these songs that I've written as far as the worship ones, and I think I do want to put them out on my own. And so that it birthed wildfires. It was just a collection of songs that 
people written it, you know, the last couple of years. And um, just just like Amberlynn, it's just a series of my uh, songs about my life and, and my exploration into God and, and, and the real world and all the above. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting, and I'm, I'm looking forward to July 28th when I put it out. Yeah, great. And you have uh, Gloria out right now, is that right? And Atmosphere, are those those are, those are your two songs out right now? Yeah, the two songs out right now are Gloria and Atmosphere, and um, we're going to be putting out a third right this called Trust right before uh, before the record drops. Okay, and that will be uh, July 28th, is that correct? Yes, July 28th, yep. All right, we'll definitely, definitely have to pick that up. Um, so it won't be called Anne Berlin. What will it be called? Oh, no, it's just Stephen Christian. Yes, right. and the record's called Wildfires. All right. Yeah, very cool. And so, so what about what about God? And really, has been inspiring you to to write music again. Like, what what about God is your is your muse? Would you say? Well, God's always been a part of music. You know, as far as like even even Amberlin, Amberlin wasn't necessarily a Christian band. We didn't tour in a Christian market. We didn't put out. Uh, you know, we didn't tour with Christian bands. Uh, but uh, that was for many different reasons. One was out of respect for the fact that. Not everybody in Amberlynn was Christian, so it's hard to say, like, this is, it, this is our ministry when one guy's like, I'm not even sure who that dude is, you know, I'm not yeah. sure where I stand with him. So out of respect for everybody, you know, we just I, we just didn't, like, go on and now. Now, people knew that I was, I was unabashed in my lyrics and talking to people after the shows about Jesus, and, and then it was great because everybody in the band was super respect, respectful about where I stood. You know, we had offers to wrap the bus and the bus in, in beer and with, with like with, with sponsorships for the beer companies and I said no and and at least people respected, you know, even though we lost tons of money and all that, mm-hmm. as far as like the reason they were gonna pay for our bus, they understood. They understood and they respected me like, hey, okay, he has his own convictions and, and you know, we have to respect that. And so I respected theirs as well, you know. So it was very useful. But but God's always been a part of every, you know, my entire life. And I'm, I'm a firm believer of no matter what you put your hands to, you should you should be preaching, whether that's a band, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a ballerina, it doesn't matter. And what it matters is that, you know, when you put your hands to the plow, you just don't take it off. You just keep moving forward. Um, and you work as you're working into the Lord, no matter what your career is. And uh, for me, that was, uh, that was Anne Berlin. Yeah, that's, very, that's very cool. Um and you spent many years in the uh, and just in this secular rock world, touring with uh, I mean big bands that uh, that we've that we've all heard about. Um, how did you how did you stay, um, man? Just 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 loving the Lord and in what is just classically a dark scene. How did, how were you able to just continue in your walk with God through that? It's a dark world out there, you know. But I don't want to like make it sound like the world or secular music scene is any different than the Christian scene. I mean, the Christian scene is just as dark. It has its own, um, it has its own, you know, night terrors, for lack of better, better word. There's still drugs. There's still sensuality. There's still everything like that. It's, it's in both. Um, so if you're not firmly founded and planted in Jesus Christ, like, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a, just a landslide, a really quick landslide. Mm. And I knew that. And so we... We had written Blueprints of Life Market. We were just about to release our second record. And 
I called my best friend who's now a pastor in Oviedo, Florida. His name's Seth Kane. And I said, Seth, like, I see, you know, the Bible says, choose you this day, blessing or cursing, life or death. I was like, I can literally see in front of me that there are two directions for me to head. And I'm scared, man. Like, I fear that, that I'm going to go down the wrong path. Like, I know myself, and I know that I'm about to go down the wrong path. Would you come out here? I was like, I'm not making any money. I'll split my per diem with you. And you, I, you just got to keep me accountable. You just have to. And so he came out and literally just followed me around because he's like a no nonsense guy, very straightforward. And see, when you just called me on my, yes, you were just saying, listen, man, why are you going over there? What are you doing? Why are you out this late? Like, what is the point? What are you trying to accomplish hanging out with this girl? Like, mm. and he was just so, it was great. And I needed it. And he eventually became our tour manager. And he just wow. basically just, Got there and said, you know, like, hey, you know, like, called me out. And I loved it and I needed that. So I think being honest with yourself is number one. Like, where are you at? Because the first thing you're going to do is, you know, you're not going to lie to your friends. You're going to lie to yourself. You're going to start to justify your own actions. And then secondly, like, find accountability. Like, I need, I desperately need this severe accountability. I need somebody, like, basically holding my hand because I'm just that big of a fool. And so. You know, if that means like setting up if you're going on the road and you want to set up a weekly phone call with your pastor, you need to do that. Like whatever it takes to make sure that you are, you know, in a situation where you're accountable, that's massive. And then third, I think that that you know the Bible says the overflow of the heart of the mouth speaks, and so it's all about what you're pumping into your heart. And I, you know, I think that quiet times are absolutely valuable and and, and so imperative to be able to break away from the life that you're living on the road and, and the people that you're surrounding yourself with and, you know, the, the, the handshakes and the pats on the back and you're so cool and all that kind of stuff. You need to just be able to, like, get away and just go and, you know, get some contemplative prayer, get your Bible out and start just focusing and reading and, and talking to Jesus and make sure that your heart is constantly in check with them. You know, the, the Word is sharper than the two, it's sort of like it, it needs to be able to slice you and cut out stuff that, needs to be cut out on a daily basis. It's so, so important. Oh, wow. Yeah. Awesome answer. Yeah. Yeah. I would not have guessed that the uh, the Christian music world is as bad or just about as bad as the non-Christian music world, sex, drugs, et cetera. It is, huh? It is. And it also has, a, you know, a special caliber. It's also a special that the world doesn't have a struggle with. And that's the fact that, like, we, you know, much like C.S. Lewis would have said in Screwdate Letters, you know, when you, when you suddenly become, you know, a quote-unquote Christian celebrity, which is kind of oxymoronic, but when you do, you, you now you start struggle with self-righteousness and pompous and pride and arrogance. Maybe I am good. Maybe I don't need Jesus. And sure, those thoughts don't come right away. After a while, they start to in, and you see people who are just kind of like, man, I see you get up there, and I see you rant off these words that I heard you say at a festival across the country about Jesus, and then I see you backstage, and this, what you're saying on stage is now just, you know, Jesus is a great marketing ploy, man. He sells records. <laughs> you replace the word baby for Jesus to pitch it to a few Christians, then they eat that crap up. <laughs> and it's just, it's a matter of the heart, though. And so when your heart becomes so hard and cold, and you realize, like, this is how I make money, this is how I'm famous, then slowly over a series of records, a series of times, 
used to become callous to the word. Now you're looking for Christian songs to be able to sell to Christian people because you know you can't make it out in the real world. Huh. And so it's just, it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. And so I'm not saying, like, I, I know I know some great Christian men of God, amen, who are genuine. Like Don, he came down to New York. I'd go to bat for that dude. I, I, I'd lay down my life instantaneously. That guy's amazing. There's a, there's a bunch of them. But then you have some faith, and you have some phonies out there. And to me, when you're sitting there announcing the name of Jesus Christ, but you're living a life of sin, the Bible says to do much is given, much is required, and someday you're going to have to stand before God. And he's going to go, man, I gave you talent, I gave you skill, I gave you abilities, and then you said my name, and you broke it for me. That was all for you. Man, uh, if, you know, the Bible also says the Lord says, well, you know, double his wage. Well, also, what about double the penalty? What about the blood on his, his hand that he missed? He, you know, he, he, he led people astray. He said one thing, but lived out another. It's just, it's a brutal world out there. I feel like to be a Christian musician is almost, or a Christian worship leader, or, or, or a worship minister, or you're putting out worship records. You're accountable. You are so accountable. And I think a lot of people are like, you know, he's so cool. You know, we started thinking, sound like kill on the place. Man, you are playing with fire. You are playing with fire. You're being on the stage and talking about Jesus and singing songs about him. Man, that's, you need to be really, you need to check your heart. And if there's any way you could go any other route than Christian music, do it because, man, that is, it's, it's not a lot harder. We're talking about spiritual matters. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Here. We're talking about conjuring the, the Holy Ghost into your, you know, into your songs. And that is just, it's, it's, a, it's a, I think it's a heavier weight than people realize. And I wonder if sometimes if, if they will ever, if people will ever realize it. Wow, this is really enlightening for me. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you know, I've never, I've never toured. <laughs> so, uh, fascinating. Uh, once again, we just want to let people know we are um, listening to Stephen Christian. Um, he's uh, talking just about his um, background, history, and music. But uh, we are talking about your new single coming out, Wildfires. Um, and uh, Stephen, just tell us a little bit about where you got the name Wildfires. Where does that come from? So every three generations, historically, there's been a move of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's just kind of, it's been a Suda. It's been, it's been in the UK. It was the, the Welsh Revival. And every three generations, well, it's, it's, come, it's come to, like, it's coming back around. This is a, you know, three, we're three generations now removed. And, it's, and they're, they're, you know, I'm waiting for an outbreak. But I'm not, I'm not under any false impression that, like, this album's going to spark it. <laughs> or that, like... I'm going to be a conduit, but if I can be just a small positive voice into the ears of a listener saying, like, hey, you know, maybe you are, you know, maybe you are a part of this wildfire, you, you need to catch, and um, I don't know, I just feel like it's time, and I'm ready to see it, and, and experience it, and be a part uh, in some small capacity. Hey, on your new songs, uh, the ones you are producing, not the Amberlynn songs, uh, although maybe the answer is going to be the same. Uh, on your new songs, what's the creative process? That is, do you write all the lyrics? And to what extent do you also write the music or suggest parts for the various instruments? You know, it depends. You know, like you said, it kind of varies from band to band, but also just kind of song to song. So I mean, there's Anne Berlin songs where I wrote 100% of it. I wrote the music, uh, I wrote the lyrics, I wrote the melodies, and then there's other songs that, you know, I, I just, 
let you know the other band kind of them members kind of see some lyrics in there or suggest some um, suggest some melody lines. But for the most part, what it looks like you know for the average, it's just basically kind of I I I bring in an idea of of, uh, of lyrics or melodies or something that I want you know want to hear kind of hear on the record, and then you know I usually leave it to the professionals, Joey and Christian in the band Amberland, um, were fascinating writers. They were musically just so far ahead of me, they wasn't even close. Huh. And so a lot of the times I would just kind of let them, uh, you know, let them do the lion's share of the writing, and then they would call me and say, hey, I'm sending you a song, and then I would listen to it and, and kind of put down lyrics and melodies to it. Um, as far as this one, it's, you know, uh, because I was initially not trying to write for myself, I was actually co-writing with, uh, with different artists for world records, for world publishing, um, I basically just, you know, we would sit in a room, we both have either guitars or piano in front of us, and we would hash out a few chords, and then kind of just go back and forth. Hey, what do you, you know, it usually starts with, hey, what's God teaching you lately? And what's God sharing with you? What's God showing you? And then somebody would kind of like play a few chords here and there, and then sing a little melody line, and then, you know, somebody would have a lyric inspired by the conversation. And then from there, you know, a, a song would come. And uh, it's, it's a fascinating process because, you know, as my friend Christian would have said, he said, you know, with the songwriting, it's, it's, one of the old, it's one of the few professions in this world where you're creating something out of nothing. You know, it's just almost like a, <laughs> a, a miracle, a it's magic. Nilo, like God. It's just filming out of the air. I, I, yeah, I work out absolutely. at a gym, and I have horrible and, calves. Uh, and and I've been telling people I'm trying to build some chaos. I'm working on them three days a week. And I've told a number of people at my gym I'm trying to be like God and create something out of nothing. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> so so you're doing that with music. I love it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm 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 the calf builder of music. Huh. Um. So, uh, can I switch gears a little bit and ask you? You're you're a worship leader, worship pastor, I'm sorry, I don't know your exact title, at your home church, and, and bless you, man, for that. Uh, I respect that deeply. Uh, are there unique challenges in that? How does that affect you spiritually? What What is important in your spiritual life to take into being a worship leader in a local church? You want to talk about being a worship leader a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's plenty of challenges, because we, at the end of the day, I deal with humans. Uh, one of the pastors on staff said to me when I first got there, he said, I'd love my job if it weren't for the people. And I was like, I didn't even know what that meant. Until like a year later when you look back, you're like, oh, man, that's so funny. But, you know, I mean, I think that we all deal with a lot of the same issues. Number one, we, we all know that, that sheep have sharp teeth. And so, you know, people are quick to snap and judge and say, hey, you're not doing this right. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's green. You know, they, they sit back and and they just kind of um, echo their own sentiments anonymously sometimes. And it's just, it's very, at first it was very hurtful, and then I realized, like, after a while, like, hey, I'm here for the people. Like, these people are the reason I'm here, is to, to see these people come to know Jesus Christ and, and have a deeper, more personal relationship with them. And so I, I began to look at them, at people, and, and, and empathize, and getting upset. Or, or questioning them, or just I just begin to empathize because I think in, uh, I think the best way to do that is sitting through counseling sessions because I'll have to counsel people all the time. And man, the stories that I hear, and that's one thing that I wish I had 
this level of empathy for people, for humans, prior to being in Amberland because it's a whole new level. Like coming, people coming in with gambling problems and porn pornography problems. And there was a woman who walked in, and I knew who she was. I knew her kids, and she drives a little minivan, and she looks like the quintessential soccer mom. They're happily married and all that, you know, like she, well, she looks like it. And she walks into my office and sits down and says, hey, I'm just struggling with homosexuality and I have a girlfriend. Wow. And it was just like a bomb. Like, you just, but you know what? People are hurting. People are failures. We're all, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yeah. All of us. Every single one. And we, and just because, like, we said a prayer and, and Jesus has changed our heart and lives does not mean that we're, we're somehow abnormal or superheroes. In fact, the enemy will come against us even stronger and even harder. And he wants us to see us crush and fall faster. And so I just the level of empathy. So when people, you know, when people have negativity to say or talk to me about or drama in their lives, it's just it's a whole new level of just compassion. You know, I think as pastors, are one of our one, one gift I think we should all obtain or ask for or have is, is just, not only discernment, but just a heart of compassion. I'm just almost nothing to see Jesus, people how Jesus saw them. And I can, you know, that's, that's something that I, I pray for on a consistent basis, but I just, I, it's just, man, people, it is, you know, that pastor was wrong. It's all about the people. And without the people, not only will we not have jobs, but, man, it, this ministry would be so empty. You know, I, I don't want to be somebody sitting in the back room who tried to, tries to avoid as many congregants as I possibly can. I want to be getting out there. I want to be ministering. I want to be just exhorting and lifting them up because I think that's what Jesus would have done. Yeah, amen to that, man. Yeah. And so uh, so you've um, you played many, many rock shows. Now you've transitioned into this uh, this worship director role. Um, well, for, first, are you are you leading the weekly worship at your church? I do. I mean, yeah, the weekends. Yep. Yeah, great. Um, how has that how has that been transitioning from a um, just very this is a performance like I'm just trying to get people excited and um, go crowd surfing to the to the worship um, just the worship setting like how how has that how's that transition been for you? The transition the transition was like very very hard for me. I mean, the first year, if you go back and I mean, if somebody went to go watch me lead worship that first year. You probably saw somebody so stiff and standing upright and just staring off into the grand abyss, um, simply because I just I feared so much the the weight, like we talked about, that weight of responsibility of being a worship leader. Um, it was it was one of those because I, my whole life I've entertained. I can get up there, I can yell at a crowd, I can tell them what to do. We can you know jump off the stage. We can all sing songs together in unison, sweating. That's all second nature. That's all easy for me. What's not easy is now, again, the, the, the playing with these words, the talking, you know, singing through these words, and, and just, you know, I, I was so scared of entertaining because I, I wanted to worship. I wanted to, you know, before I was a lighthouse, I was asking everyone to look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And now I suddenly change and I'm a conduit. Like, mm. look at him, look at him, look at him. And so any amount of emotion or enthusiasm I was misinterpreting at first as like, am I, you know, I, that, that, you know, just questioning, man, am, am I, what am I doing this for? Is this for God? Is this for me? What are we doing here? 
And so I remember, uh, you know, about a year into it, uh, there's a guy named Pastor Jim Thomas who leads the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. And one time he told me, he said, you know, the healthy tension is where you stay. You know, stay in the healthy tension. And I love that because there was this kind of friction between God, I want, I want to utilize the talents and abilities and skills that you've granted me, but in the same way, I want to make sure that this is not about me. And I, and I began to live in that place. All right, God, I'm going to keep going, and as soon as you stay stopped, I stop. Let's keep going. Let's keep moving. And so now I'm liberated. I'm liberated because I have come to terms with that. This isn't about me. I don't, I don't want success. I've, I've already tasted fame, and I've seen that it's vanity. I've already tasted success, mm. and I see that it's all a vapor. I've seen, I've seen you know, I've, I've tasted that part of life, and, and I see how empty it is. And now I look at this, and I say, I, man, how cool is it that I get to sing you know, your name and proclaim you. And I get to be that, like I said, that conduit to you. And so just, you know, living in that healthy tension is where I hope to remain. But it was, it was a very tough transition coming from Anderlin into leading worship. Wow, great answer. Yeah. I'm not signaling the end of the podcast by this question, but uh, what's the future look like for you? What do you see? Any ideas? Man, I don't know, and I think that's a beautiful place to live in, just to be able to trust God. And one thing that I will tell my children and grandchildren someday, I'm just going to say, God is faithful. You know, you can always, I'm sure there'll come up questions about, you know, God, what about this, and why did this happen, you know? But you could never, ever question God's faithfulness. He is, he is absolutely present in tomorrow, and He absolutely cares. And so I don't know what tomorrow holds. I have no idea. You know, I have no plans to leave Calvary Albuquerque anytime soon. I have definitely have no plans to tour anytime soon um, with the, with the project or anything like that. But it's up to God. And, and you know, I am like I am a very feeble human, so I just walk through doors that He opens. And so I just keep moving forward. And when He opens the door, I just run run through it. So I don't know, but we'll see. Yeah, we're probably all right there. We don't know. <laughs> I don't know what a day will hold, James tells me, so I couldn't, can't boast myself of tomorrow. But um, That's right. Yeah, aside from knowing or not knowing the future, uh, your, your new solo songs, uh, how do they differ from the stuff you were doing with Amberlynn? Are, are there differences? What are they? Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a few, few differences. I mean, sonically, you know, it's not rock at all. It is very, very straightforward um, worship. I mean, it's not even cool worship. It's not, not like trendy worship. Mm-hmm. These are just songs that, like, I just felt like, hey, I want to get these off my chest. I need to talk about God, and I'm going to write this this struggle. And um, it was, you know, there's... You know, the Bible talks about how that we're all part of the body of Christ, and so some some are meant to be free to tread where others won't or can't. And then there's supposed to be, you know, the, the, the mouthpieces that are just an encouragement to the church. And, and I think records do the same thing for, for Amberlynn. I mean, it was definitely one of the, it was a mission field. Amberlynn was a mission field to me. And this is basically strictly for edification of the church, you know, just kind of to build people up and, um, you know, hopefully, you know, exhort them and, uh, exonerate them to kind of like move forward into a deep relationship with God. So I think that's the biggest difference. Um, and then, but I, but I, I think one, some of the similarities is like, obviously I'm, well, I'm not always been 
been inspired and influenced by not only the 80s but but electronic music as well and definitely those are still still there um and you can still hear them on the record and also lyrically i mean even though this is an unabashed worship record uh i feel i feel like these are still my stories and the same with amber lynn those are just my stories that um that were almost like a pseudo therapy for me and i think that that that's part of it of the songwriting hasn't changed Hey, so um, uh, most of us who are Christians listen to various worship bands. There are some we like more and there are some we like less. When you listen to other bands, do you have some favorites? I do. There's tons of, I mean, yeah, I have tons of, are you saying worship in particular? Yes, more more overt Christian music. I think, I think my, you know, if you would have asked me the same question, Two years ago, I would have been like, I have no idea. <laughs> I never, I just never listened to worship music. I mean, I went to church at, you know, at Village Chapel there in Nashville, and I listened to whatever, you know, and I sang along with whatever they were playing, but I couldn't have named a single artist. But <laughs> now diving headfirst um, into into the worship, I, you know, I, I honestly, I honestly love John Mark McMillan. I think he yeah. is, he is a poet. Yeah. He is. He is incredible. Like I, I think that that guy is. I love how real and raw he is. Yeah, he's the real he's deal. Not, isn't he? he is a real like yeah, and I love that. I respect that. You know, just be you, be you, and do what God's called you to do, and keep moving forward. Don't put on some kind of show. Don't go whiten your teeth because you think that I'm going to think you're closer to God for doing so. Mm-hmm. But I just, I, I just think that that guy is just. Man, uh, just the key screen of our generation. Uh, uh. Anybody else? Uh, I like Young Oceans a lot. I really I enjoy their music. All Sons and Daughters are, are just quality. I I I think that the, the songwriting for Young and Free is next level. Whoever's working with those guys are just incredible. Just incredible songwriters, incredible producers. I definitely think that they have it figured out. Now, do you have a favorite song to to play um, in terms of worship? I'm sorry, say that one more time. Uh, uh, songs to play on oh, on worship. Yeah, so we're talking artists, um, but what about yeah? What about what's your favorite uh, just worship songs to play yeah. of these people? I really like Sinking Deep. Um, I think I really like that song right now. I mean, it's it's one we've been playing for a while. It's not like a brand new song, but again, I just there's just something about those the lyrical content in that song. It, uh, I like Wonder, um, You Make Me Brave. I, kind of, I really, I really like that song a lot. So we don't, we have a, we also write a lot of our own original music, and so we work. Nice. We have a full time producer on staff named Stephen Tracy. He uh, used to play in a band called Myriad, and we've been writing a lot. So I would say a good like half to three fourths lately have been kind of original songs that the, the ch- our church has really grasped onto. Would you mind if I ask you a question? Maybe you don't want to answer it. Would you mind if I ask you, uh, what do you think of a few worship bands, and I'll name them? I'll try my best, man. I'm be all right. <laughs> all right, so you I'm know. A, I'm going to so be honest. Good, good bad, I, or ugly. You so, say, so you know. When you say, uh, when you say worship, I think Sugaros. You know, honestly, that's my number one worship band of all time. All I, right. You know, when I walk into Heaven's Gates, they will be playing Sugaros. Okay? <laughs> I can feel it. Uh, so Hillsong is huge these days. Elevation Worship's getting pretty big. What do you think of those guys? Man, 
I I know nothing about them. I mean, I know their music. I, I've never met a single one of them. I think they're talented. I think they're gifted. You know, the, the, I, I so I can't, I don't judge, I mean, I can't judge based on music alone. Like, I just don't know. You know, I want to, I know Mike, the producer, and he was always a great guy. He used to be in a, a band called Academy. We toured with him several times. He was incredible. If they're all like him, then man, praise God, go at it. Mm. But as far as like, you know, saying like giving giving some type of like I, I mean I think the music is great. I yeah, think musically or lyrically, you like at it. The end. But I mean, and nobody's they're not super gross, but <laughs> huh. but uh, no I think they'd probably say the same thing. Yeah, very cool, man. I, for one, I just want to say uh, I've, I've been listening to your music for for over a decade now, and I'm I'm just really encouraged just to hear your heart, your hear, hear your love for the Lord, your Me seriousness yes. about about the things of God. Wow, so great. Yeah. Um, my question for you would be um, just this, kind of the same themes of, of your, you've transitioned from this from this rock band. Could, what um, if you could kind of open open our eyes? Like, so we we haven't done this this touring the rock world. If you could open our eyes about like um, about people, maybe about what the what the bands are like. Like, if if there's something you could just communicate to kind of correct misconceptions, do you, what what, would you, what do you think you would say? I'm sorry, Jason. It was kind of you're, you kind of sound in the background. I, I really didn't really fully understand the question. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll, I'll try again, more a little more concisely. Um, if you could, if you could just tell tell all of us who haven't been on tour in the in the rock world, uh, if you could just kind of correct misconceptions, maybe either about touring, about people, about musicians. Uh, what, what would you, what would comes to mind? Is there a kernel of wisdom that you've kind of gleaned? Yeah. Absolutely. So I think if you're a touring worship band, the number one thing that will kill your band instantaneously is pride. If you, if someone, it's an oxymoron to say like, I am, I am a prideful worship leader. I, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to cite the Bible here. I'm not, I'm not saying this is fact, but in my opinion, not the Bible, it's blasphemy. It is blasphemy. To point a finger at yourself and point a finger at the guy, at God at the same time is an oxymoron. The Bible says you can't serve two masters at the same time, so you need to choose. You know, you can't choose money, choose whatever it is, but don't please do not be in a worship band and, and be prideful. And when that starts to well up, kill it, kill it. Because if not, God will level you. God will break you. That's that's un, that's testable in in the sight of God. And I've seen it. I've seen worship teams, and I can look and I'll say like that is the cancer. She is the cancer in your worship team. She is the cancer mm. in your worship team. So you know it, you know, and people around you know it. And I think, you know, honestly, like, you know, you're sitting next to your, your, your head pastor. Isn't Steve your, your pastor? Yeah. So, so Steve, your job is to call them out. And when you see a hint of that pride, because if you don't do it, Steve, God's going to do it. And trust me, man, look at the life of David. You don't want that. You don't want that in your church. Yeah. And I told that to my team. We have a, we have 170 volunteers at my church, and I told them the first day, I was just kind of like, if there is pride, I pray in the name of Jesus, God levels this ministry. I pray God levels you. Get out. Get out. And if it's me, I will see myself to the door. I will make sure, you know, like, that I will keep accountability, because that is that can't happen. It just can't. But as far as the touring world, if you want to tour in the general market, um, I'm going to switch gears completely off spirituality. Um, but basically, you know, 
I think there's a list of things. I think, I think all, you know, first and foremost, understand what is important in your life and make that list of the day that you enter the band. And don't, you don't have to show anybody in your band, but always keep that list because soon if it's God and then your family and then, you know, your band or your purpose or whatever, and, um, and, and those begin to get miscued, um, there will be imminent failure. And that's just on a personal level, like, as far as, you know, to be honest, the first, when I got married, the first three, four years of my marriage, I put Amberlynn in absolutely first. And and I treated her like that, and it took me years to figure out what I had done. Mm. And it, it, you know, it's taken years and years to repair, and still, still there's scars, still there's wounds, because I put, I put the band first. So I would say personally, like, you know, figure out what is important in your life, because you've got to realize that band, at the end of the day, will not be there next to your deathbed, you know, and and like and fame and fortune and all that success is a vapor. What's cool today is not cool tomorrow. What's what's awesome in two weeks won't won't mean anything in two years. And just understanding the bigger picture matters, because that stage is is one of responsibility. You have a responsibility when you take that stage. And to whom much is given, much is required. Always keep that in the back of your head as a Christian musician. Man, Stephen, this is Steve. Uh, I, I love your heart. I've been surprised. I didn't have any expectations, really, but I've just been surprised that you've uh, poured out a warm heart for Christ into this podcast. It's been very refreshing. Please thank your wife and your children for yes. sharing you with us on this day so we can... Uh, we can enjoy this time of fellowship. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you got it. It's Thanks, been guys. Great. And um, you know, we do want to be uh conscious of your time, so we uh you know want you to get back to your family. We are um gonna go ahead and uh wrap up here, but just want to one more time just let our listeners know we've been talking to Stephen Christian, um, his new single coming out, Wildfires. Make sure you uh get online and check it out. Um, we are going to go ahead and sign off now. Steve, Jason, Stephen, we just rocked the Casbah. Rocked it. These go to 11.